Coming on to the last session now, which is called Undistracted Devotion. Um, it's not. It's not. The, last, the course is called Undistracted Devotion. It's called Being Single. And uh, Sorry, I got a little distracted there. And what I want to do, just for the sake of, of, of time, is I want to I get through this one quite quickly. So the idea then would be to say to you, if there's something you want more elaboration on, stick up your hand or ask questions. This really is supposed to be a workshop environment. And the idea that I don't want to take too long in going through this is that we just have more time at the end to discuss and ask questions and talk, because that's really where a lot of the value comes from. So what I want to talk about is the importance of singlehood. And we've already stressed this a little bit. We've alluded to it. It's okay, Mishka, it's important. So here's just an interesting way of thought, and I, and I need to say this up front. So much of what this lesson is all about is stuff, stuff that I've come up with myself, but stuff that I've learned through a teaching by a guy called Miles Monroe. You're all familiar with Miles Monroe. Most of you would be, maybe. Really, really good, um, good preacher, and uh, it's just a strong, strong teaching gifting. And so I want to talk to you about the importance of singlehood. When God began the human race, how many people did he create? No, one. One. You created one. That was a trick question. There was two in one. But it was one. <laughs> it was two in one. And the point that I want to make about this is that God's actions are manifestations of his principles. What are principles? Let me help you understand this when you use words like principle. A principle is a law that when applied has a predetermined outcome. Sounds very fancy, but gravity is a principle. It's a law that when applied has a predetermined outcome. You know exactly what's going to happen when I drop this serviette, right? What's going to happen? It's going to fall to the ground, right? Should we, should, we, should we put the... I always say, one day God's going to catch me out with that. I will be the most freaked out one in the room. But that's, we know exactly what's going to happen, right? So when we understand the principles of God, we can begin to apply them in our lives for blessing. Apply them in our lives, like for example, sowing and reaping is a law, it's a principle that God has built into all creation. When we understand how that works, we can begin sowing, you reap what you sow. What you sow in kindness, you're not going to reap in malice. What you sow in resources, you're not going to reap, if you're sowing apples, you're not going to reap bananas. It's the principle. And so God's actions are manifestations of his principle. And so if you think about it, God created man as one in and of himself, with purpose. So if you want to be successful in life, you must begin the way God did, focused on singleness. In some ways, you could say that singleness is more important than marriage. We kind of say that marriage is the most important thing, and actually singleness is the most important thing. Because if you never learned to be fully single, you are going to be a problem in a marriage. You are born the way God wants you to start. <laughs> single. And God put that single person, Adam, into a garden, which was the only place where God's presence was. God created you to function within the ambit and the context of his presence and his blessing. You were created to function in the presence of God. And what that means is that outside of his presence... We malfunction because we were designed for a particular environment. And that is why you should never marry a person who's out of touch with a manufacturer because <laughs> they will malfunction. And when things go wrong, 
they won't know what manual to turn to. <laughs> Thankfully, we know who we belong to, and we have a manual. Basic instruction book for life on earth. That's what Bible stands for. Did you not know that? Basic instruction book for life on earth. Before leaving earth, that too. We were designed to function within the presence of God in singleness first. So let's look at a few things that the word single means, okay? The word single means, firstly, separate. It means distinctive from others. Different. Not different for the sake of being different, but in a sense, it means uni- it, it, it's different and it's unattached. It is not linked to. It is therefore not dependent upon anybody else, and nobody else is dependent on it. We're not talking about parental kind of relationship here. Obviously, a baby is dependent on its person, but we're talking about relationships. The other thing to, to be single means is to be unique, one of a kind, to be authentic. You are you. You are wholly you. You don't need somebody else, and you don't need to be like anybody else. You're not single yet until you understand that there is nobody else who can do what you can do the way you can do it. That is precious. You are made the way God wanted you to be. And there is nobody else in this world like you. So why would you want to be like anybody else in this world? You know you are single when you don't need to be like anybody. That's what gangs are made up of, of people who want to be like everybody else. And the first thing you do when you come into a gang is they give you a name. They give you an identity. They call you Shorty? <laughs> Tiny, yes, yeah. You see, everybody is born an original, but the truth is most of us die copies because we've never really truly discovered the purpose and the significance for which God made you. God made you for a purpose beyond marriage. Your marriage, your partner, is sent to you to be a helper and an enhancer of your purpose, and you are sent to be a helper and an enhancer of their purpose. We spoke about what it means to be uniqueness. Yeah, uniqueness sets you free from other people's opinions and expectations. And therefore, it's, it leaves you free to serve God undistracted. The third, part, third meaning of the word single is to be whole. It means mature, complete in yourself. You are not whole until you can be somebody without anybody. You are not single until you don't need anybody to be somebody. You don't need approval. You don't need other people's yes or no. You are who you are. And you are satisfied in who you are. And you are whole and you are happy, regardless of what people think. Listen, I want to tell you something. I really grappled with this in high school. And I look back on it now and I'm kind of like a bit embarrassed. You know you get that guy in the group who, because he wants to be cool, he's always trying to get your attention and trying to get your affirmation? They're like leeches. Yeah, I was one of them. Because I wanted to, I wanted to get the, the approval of those guys, because they were the cool ones, those, those were the jocks, those were the guys, and I wanted to be with that crowd, but I never was, I kept being, you know, like, those kind of people you keep at an arm's length, and so I was never ever going to be part of that group in reality, why, because I'm different, I like things, still always have and still do like Mary Poppins and the sound of music, I love Disney movies, which is really not cool when you're in high school, and you know, with the, the groups that I was with. Uh, I was never going to be like those guys because I actually cared about other people's feelings. Um, 
and, and, and what happened is in matric, a penny dropped. And finally, it took me my whole school career. How thick can one be? Finally, I said to myself, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to be for everybody what I think they want me to be. I'm just going to be who I am. And if they don't like me, for the first time in my life, I'm actually okay with rejection. I'm actually okay with them not being my friends or not thinking well of me. I'm actually okay with them saying bad things about me. And it doesn't matter anymore because I've actually come to peace with myself. You know what the irony was? Within two or three weeks of that internal decision, nobody had any issues with me anymore. I was like friends with everybody. Nobody had a problem with me. Why? Because... My approval was no longer dependent upon, or my, my identity, my security was no longer dependent on them. I, I was beginning to learn what it means to be single. You are whole when your best friend is yourself. You don't need anybody else. My wife will tell you I don't need anybody to entertain me. I can entertain myself very well. She laughed at me the other morning. She walked into the bathroom and I was talking to myself in the shower and laughing. I was, I was having a good time. It was funny. <laughs> you see, people, people who need people, listen to this, people who need people are the most manipulated people in the world. They're not living for themselves. They're not living for God. They're living for the, for the perceptions of other people. You're not single until you don't need to be married. When somebody says, I need you, run. It's dangerous. Bad news, okay? Yeah, eject, eject. You complete me. How much of you was there to start with? And how much of this, you know, pie am I actually making, bringing to the party? I mean, just listen to the songs we listen to, okay? There's the old one that I always remember, old Michael Bolton. Do you remember? I can't live... No, wait, wait. How am I supposed to live without you? Do you remember that song? No? Okay, it's before your time. You were right, Siobhan. So how about Mariah Carey, right? I can't live if living is without you. Go on, then. What's going to... Shall I dig the grave now? <laughs> I can't give. I can't give anymore. I mean, we really don't. We sing this. She sings it beautifully, let's be honest. But we're really not paying much attention to what we're singing, are we? I mean, just think about it. I can't live if living is without you. Hmm. We're really not paying much attention to the words we're actually singing. In fact, let me demonstrate to you how little attention we actually pay to the words we're singing and how little we understand concerning this.
No clue. No clue. But yet we kind of listen. It's a good laugh. We go through it. Let me give you some more, some more, some more songs here. We've just done Mariah Carey. What about Robin Thicke? We know this one. I'm lost without you. I can't help myself. How does it feel to know that I love you? I'm lost with you were lost before her too. Let's be honest. You don't know where the hell you're going. You haven't got a clue. She kind of has some direction, and now without that direction, you don't know what's going on in your life. Is what you're really saying. Let's move on. This is supposed to be light-hearted. How about this one? This can be a sing-along. How do I live without you? I want to know, because I don't know how to live without you. All I know is how to live with you. I don't know how to be single, right? How do I breathe without you? <laughs> I don't know where to start. I, I don't know quite what to say. How do I ever, ever survive? <laughs> oh, please, that's ridiculous. You can't survive without me? Is that what you're saying? Really? Let's do one more, just because it's fun. I mean, these songs, these are like heartbreak songs. Some of them are actually just really fun. How about this one? I won't soar, I won't climb. If you're not here, I'm paralyzed without you. Mm-hmm. Without you. I can't look, I'm so blind. I've lost my heart, I've lost my mind. Without you, without you. <laughs> But think about that. What are we saying? What are we really saying? <laughs> it really does. Siobhan, ironically, you've hit the nail on the head. It really does. It means my life has no purpose without you in it. Folks, if that's your state, you're in a sorry state. You are godless. You are purposeless. You are directionless. Somebody cannot complete you. God can give you purpose and has done so. Yes, you can't breathe without him. (laughs) You can't live without him. And knowing him and discovering him and living for him like we spoke about last night is what gives perspective and purpose and vision and clarity to all of the other stuff. It is the framework and the context into which and upon which all of these other things fit, even our relationships. You mean to tell me I have your heart? No wonder I can control you. Whoever you give your heart to has control over you. That's why your heart belongs to God. That's why Siobhan said, I want you to know, Mishka, my heart first and foremost belongs to God, and I'm going to serve Him with or without you. That's how my wife and I came into, 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 into our relationship, by both living and working and serving, and that's how we discovered each other, is because we were passionately serving God together. You see, Jesus was whole and completely secure in his identity and in his singleness. Jesus went about saying really offensive stuff like, unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no part on me, a part of me. And, and to which the people, as you and I would probably have said, what? Okay, this cannibalistic thing is a bit freaky and a bit weird. We are bailing. And so they literally left in their thousands. Not their hundreds, their thousands. The people bailed. They were like, 
This is weird. And Jesus says to his disciples, you guys are free to go too. I don't need you to follow me. I'm not trying to create a movement here where I'm not trying to create a whole bunch of followers. I'm absolutely secure if no one follows me. But the disciples said to him, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Now, we don't understand what the hell you just said, but we believe it's the truth. <laughs> we don't get it, but we're out of other options. We are sold out into this. You see, a lot of people get married because they think finding somebody will complete them. In other words, until marriage, my life is incomplete. I'm lacking. I have no value. I have no purpose. And that is just so not true. You know, the, the day I held my daughter for the first time, just a few minutes old, she couldn't talk. She couldn't control her bowel movements. She couldn't do anything. But she was whole, and she was perfect, and she had purpose. She was immature. She was underdeveloped in terms of growth. But she was whole and perfect. She doesn't become whole and perfect one day when she meets somebody and they get married. And neither do you. Your life has meaning and purpose now, and the greatest thing you can discover is not your partner. The greatest thing you can discover is what that is. Adam was so whole that he didn't know that he needed somebody else. It's very interesting. If you read the account of creation, the Lord, Genesis 2.15, took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. So God blesses Adam. He says, yeah, I want you to look after this garden for me. And Adam got on with it. He goes, hmm, giraffe, zebra, cockroach. Damn, I missed, and we curse him till this day. <laughs> Wallaby, kangaroo, um, whatever it may be. And he, Adam was simply carrying out his purpose. It's very interesting to note that Adam was so busy doing what he was doing that he didn't have time to be distracted by looking around. Adam did not come to God and say, Hey, God, um, I'm alone. God, I'm lonely. God, I need help. Adam just got on with what God had given him to do. And then there came a point later on, and I don't want to jump the gun here. Most people are so busy looking around that when they find someone, they don't have anyone to give them. Adam was so busy carrying out his purpose, he didn't have time to be distracted by looking around. The most dangerous person you can marry is someone who can't wait to be married. We looked at Siobhan and Mishka's story now. They took their time. There wasn't a hurry they really checked each other and they checked things out. And the best person to marry is somebody you weren't attracted to at first. <laughs> My wife will tell you in, in, in very plain terms what she thought of me the first time she met me. Go on. That's very polite. You've called it way worse things before. Immature, retrobate, childish, arrogant... And I thought she was a stuck-up cow. Let's just put it on the table. You're like, oh, that's your wife. Because I didn't know her. You know why I thought that? You know why I thought that? Because I met somebody who actually had boundaries and wasn't going to tolerate my flirtatious nonsense. She was like, no. So I, so I was like, well, okay. Woo, burn, that's cold. Right, we'll just leave that one. She's... She's no fun. She's clearly not interesting. Why? Because she's not wanting to play my games. She knew way better. She was way beyond my immature games. The, yes. Yes, that's fine. We'll get onto that a little bit later. You see, some people don't know their purpose. 
They've never grown up. I didn't have a clue what I was, what I was meant for in that time and season of my life. And so they have no self-discipline. That was my story. The greatest gift God gave me in this life was a spiritual father called Andreas who took me by the ears. And folks, I'm not kidding when I say often literally and pulled me straight. And he said, that's not how you live. This is how you live. Where are your boundaries? And that went to the point like, Michael, how much do you earn? I'm like, that's a little personal, isn't it? Okay, but you know, you're my pastor. This is how much I earn. How much are you saving every month? No, nothing. So what are you doing with all your money? Oh, no, that's nonsense. From now on, I want you to save this much every month. You open a separate account and you send me proof of payment every month. This is nonsense. You can't live your life that way. Okay, pastor. It's not spiritual dad or nothing then. It's just pastor. I've known this guy a little while. He's starting to ask these hectic questions. Three months down the line, Michael, where's your savings? No, don't give me excuses. I want to see it. Where's that proof of transfer? This is how you manage your life. You put discipline and order into it. You don't just do what you want and spend all you have. None of us knew that that money I was putting away was what I used to buy his daughter's engagement ring all years later. (laughs) Nobody could have seen it. But people who have no purpose, they don't grow up. They're never challenged. There's no commitment. They have no discipline. They can't get out of bed in the morning, but they want to pursue a relationship. Miles Monroe says, here's a really handy tool to think of your life and to kind of break it up into rough seasons. Please, these are rough seasons, so if you don't fit into the category perfectly, don't feel that you have lost out of life or you're messing up. But the first season, the first 25 or so years of your life is all about you. It's about developing yourself. Your gifts, your talents, get yourself educated, get your degree. Listen, studying when you have a family is hard. I mean, studying without a family is hard. Trying to do it with them. You worked and studied at the same time? Yes, like. It's hard. Hats off to people who do that. Spend your first years focusing on yourself. Forget about other people. You're not going to marry them. Forget about them. All they're going to do is hinder you and hold you back from your potential. The next 25 years of your life, 26 to about 50, is when you begin giving yourself. It's about us building a family, building relationships. You will find a spouse in that time and season. You will build a family. You will build yourself financially. I often say to people, when you enter your early 20s, you are starting to learn, and this is the season in which you will learn the principles that will determine the trajectory of the rest of your life. Your financial principles. If you can't tithe when you're 22, don't don't think you're going to tithe one day when you're 50. If you can't manage your finances now, Forget it. You're not going to get many more resources. You're going to struggle. You learn now and you be faithful now with what God has given you. Same with relationships. Same with your education. Same with your heart. And then, of course, from 50 onwards is when you really, it's about them. It's about teaching and and transferring your life to the next generation. Teaching them how to be whole and single in Christ because you know how. Helping them discover their purpose. One of the things that, one of the verses that I really love in Scripture is when Jesus says to, to his disciples, he says, in this world you will have tribulation. But then he says, but be of good cheer. And he says, why? He says, because I have overcome the world. And there's a sense that Jesus is saying, hey, Philip, listen, you're going to have a hard time, okay? Uh, there's some stuff coming up your way, but I want you to be happy about that. <laughs> because I'm going to show you how to overcome it. And the victories that, I will, that you will overcome by my grace are going to be added to you and to your character and your stature. And your capacity will increase. 
because you're overcoming things by my grace, and I'm going to show you how to do them. And so this is that season in your life where you help other people discover their purpose because you are older and you are wiser. It's about them. How much have so many forsaken because they were focused on the wrong thing at the wrong time? This is why I say to you folks, I don't have no regrets. I've got regrets. I lived a huge chunk of my early life focusing on the wrong things at the wrong time. Let me just give you a simple example. When I was at school, I was really chuffed if I got C's. That was, that was, that was okay. My sister worked her backside off at school. She grafted, she went to extra lessons because she's dyslexic. For her, she gave, she worked hard and she got C average in school. And for her, that was amazing because of the condition that she carried. But here's the irony. Ever since I've left school, college varsity, I've topped every class I've been in. Because I don't have that hamstring. So what is my potential? So what was going on in school? Faffing around. Faffing around. <laughs> Faffing around. So, so here's... <laughs> Sorry? I missed that. What was that? Oh. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. And look, let's be honest. I say that, and the courses I did after school were pretty Mickey Mouse courses. Okay, They were not at the level that you guys are. I didn't enroll for that. I wasn't in that league. Okay, I'm still not. The, the, the point is, the point that I'm making through that analogy is, I mean, when I did Bible school, my heart and soul was in it, and I thrived in it, and I did well at it. You put your heart and soul into anything. I don't care what it is. You'll do well at it. And so we see this picture of Adam, who is fully convinced of his purpose, and he's getting on with it. And then God says, Genesis 2.18, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. This word alone is made up of two words, all and one. He is all in one, and it's not good for him to be all in one. It means isolated by himself completely. God said there was nobody like Adam, listen to him, listen to me, for him to share himself with. Not to complete him, but for him to share himself with. And the reason God brings someone into your life is so that you can share your whole self with them, your plan, your purpose. And notice what God says. This is not a, a derogatory thing on Eve that she used to be a helper. She has purpose within her. The man cannot fulfill his purpose without her. We need you. This is a man's world, but it would be nothing without a woman or a girl. The point is you should be pursuing somebody. Uh, sorry, no, no, that's not the point. The point is <laughs> you should be... <laughs> That's what you try and skim read your notes. The point is you should be so busy pursuing your purpose that God will have to interrupt you to present you with somebody. And let me give you an analogy here of a road, right? So if you think of a road that you are on, okay, here's the road, and here's Phil. 
and there's Phil, and he's on his life's journey, right? There's many roads and avenues that come off and that link in, right? But if Phil knows where his destination is, he knows where he's going. He knows he's not there yet, but he's got a clear idea of where he's going. And then just along the road here, he sees Yvette. I don't know why her name's Yvette, but she's got beautiful long hair. And, but Yvette is going this way. But he likes the look of Yvette. And this is so often what happens with us because we don't really know what, what we're doing or because our hearts have been enticed to go after a different thing. We end up getting off the course that God has called us for. The other thing that, or we go down alleyways that we know are going in different places. You know how many people find their partners down alleyways? You wouldn't want to be caught dead in an alley at night, right? All alone. You don't, because they're, they're off. They're out of the eye. They're, they're obscure places. If you truly trust the Lord as your God, as your provider in all things, are you prepared to trust him to provide for you the life partner he has intended for you? And again, I want to affirm what Siobhan said last night. God is not going to say to you, this is the one. I mean, he might. Who knows? I, I don't want to say never because it's a possibility, okay? But generally, God will provide you with options. There's, what's her name? Yvette. Yvette. And Susie's over here. And... and but then there's this girl here. Also got long hair, nice fringe. <laughs> and she just kind of happens to be, Phil is just going about his journey and he's about doing his thing and he just happens to look over and there's this girl next to him and she happens to be doing the same thing he's doing. Hi, I'm Phil. Marlies. <laughs> <laughs> Marlies, waar toe gaan jy? Sintu. Ek gaan ook Sintu. Funny that, we're going in the same direction. Would you like to go with me, Sintu? Yeah, let's do this. We'll go together, Sintu. And so what's happening is, here, Marlies has got a clear idea of where she's going. Phil has got a clear idea of where he's going. He's not trying to be anything to Yvette here, because... Yvette doesn't have to be a sinner. She doesn't have to be a worldly person. She doesn't have to be, she, she, she could be a perfectly legitimate candidate. But her calling is triangles and your calling is circles. Does that make sense? And the irony is here you've got Suzelle. She's, she's got curly hair. And Suzelle doesn't quite know where the hell she's going. And you guys are coming across her, Suzelle, and hi, Phil, Marlies. Suzelle, where are you going? I have no idea where I'm going. Okay, well, we're going this way. You, 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 you know, you're coming with us. Okay, now this, is, this analogy is going, in a, this is going in a different way. As a friend, come follow us. This is discipleship now. When analogies go wrong. <laughs> Until Suzelle got in the way. We could just, Suzelle, you stay there. We know where we're going. The, the point is this, there are alleys of, of self-interest that converge and lead from our journey with God, okay? And there's people down those alleys. And I want to encourage you to find somebody who's in the same places on the road as you are and be willing and patient to wait. Not wait on the side of the road hoping somebody will come along like Suzelle is doing. 
because she doesn't know where she's going. Get busy pursuing God's purpose for your life. Find someone who's at the same place you are. You are both already going in the same direction, pursuing your purpose. And this is where I'll tell you my story with Helen. (coughs) The way I came to Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship is through somebody I met again after school who was my high school crush, and we ended up in a relationship. We ended up going out for two and a half years, and it didn't work out. I'm not going to go into that. Um, And then, obviously, I joined the church at the end of 2000, Helen was in the worship team. She plays the flute. Uh, a few months after that, I started in the worship team. But like I said to you, when Helen first met me, there were serious boundaries up because I just came with a warning light that said, danger, danger, danger. And <clears throat> so we got to know each other in the worship team context. And over time, we became friends and there was respect for each other. But there was never any spark. There was never any interest, not from her side towards me or from my side towards her. No, no, it wasn't necessary because it was clear. <laughs> his daughter, in fact, his daughter said to him quite plainly, I will never marry a pastor. <laughs> so, some time goes by, a few years, this girl and I break up. Yet feelings and emotions lingered for a long time, and that's when that scripture came into my life. Stop giving, give yourself completely to the Lord. Cut, sever yourself because you're not in a relationship now. Stop stealing emotions from other people. Stop playing games. Sever yourself from all of this stuff and pursue me completely. And that's what I began doing. That's what I told him. I was here 24-7. It was in that season, after a little while, that God spoke to me and said, I want you to become Elisha to this man. Might have been before that probably actually was before that. The timeline's a little fuzzy. Yeah, it was before that. Um, And so I already knew that I was called to serve Andreas and all the rest. So that relationship didn't work out. We're carrying on. I'm here at the church a whole bunch. And so months go by, single. And one Sunday in church, now this is back in the days when we used to have things called overhead projectors. Do you remember what those are? You had those slides and you... And we used, all our song words were on overhead projectors. And so the overhead projector used to stand over there, and I used to make sure all the slides were done. The worship team used to be down here on the, on the floor, and I used to, I had to. And Sunday mornings is busy. You're making sure everything's done. And one Sunday morning, I happened to be standing here in the kitchen area, and I looked. And I saw Helen, and she was going, running from the worship team side. She was checking things there. She was doing that. And she was checking the projectors, and she was checking. And she was just going about the exact same thing that I was doing. She was serving the mission of her mother and her father. And in that moment, I caught a glimpse of Helen, and the only way I can accurately describe it to you is this. I saw her heart, her spirit, her true self by what I believe was a revelation of God that had been before me the whole time that I'd never noticed. The analogy I use is this. For years, I had walked down a street where there was a fence that had a hedge in it. Can you imagine that? Tall hedge. And the one day I was walking, and I never knew what was on the other side of this hedge. It was just, it's on my way. This hedge is there. And I walked past it every single day. But one day I just happened to notice there was a break in the hedge, and I looked through it. And it was the most beautiful manicured garden you could ever imagine. 
with flowers and trimmed hedges and a water fountain and just absolutely beautiful. And that's kind of what happened with me in that moment. I looked at Helen, who's this girl who's been around all the time. She's just kind of, and I saw something in her that I had never seen before. And I truly believe with all my heart, the only reason God enabled me to see that is because of the decisions, the preceding decisions that I had made to pursue him wholeheartedly. I gave myself completely to the purpose, undistractedly devoted to him. And as a result, he enabled me to see something that I needed spiritual eyes to see. And I was taken aback. Now, nothing immediately happened. Okay? But suddenly, my interest in Helen was now sparked. So I did what any natural guy would do. I phoned up her brother and I said, hey, can I come play computer games? <laughs> and I did. I went to his house, played computer games with him, spent time with him. And of course, you know, you die early, so you just go and spend time and you chat to Helen for a bit, right? And I remember one or twice, Stephen's like, dude, what are you doing? And I remember having a very similar conversation with Helen one day on her front doorstep to what Siobhan had with Mishka. I didn't want to play around. I didn't want to mess around. I knew that the way I'd done relationships before was wrong. And God had called me out of that. He had, he had called me to a different way. And so I stood in that and I said, look, I'm going to put this all out there now. And this could backfire badly, but it could be awkward. But I want to, I, I'm sensing there's... there's there's, you know, feelings happening here. I, I do like you, but I don't want to do anything about it. I don't want to ruin this. I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to run ahead. Um, I don't know if you feel the same. Thankfully, she did. And so, but I said, let's just put on the brakes. You know, let, I don't want, let's not give ourselves to these emotions and these kinds of things. And so we just carried on. It was there, but neither given to it. So Andreas and Christella go away overseas, as they always do. Because we're now in a friendship and a social group circle, all the guys came over to my house one night while they were away. We had a good time. And while we're there, I said, who's fetching your parents from the airport? And he says, I'm going. I said, well, they're coming back with a lot of suitcases. My dad had a Chrysler Voyager. Big girl. I said, I'll come pick you up, and we'll go pick your parents up together. Because I don't know how you're going to get all that luggage in your little... It was the Taz still, huh? Yeah, the Taz. So, okay, no problem. So we go pick up Helen's parents with all the luggage and all the rest, which is fine. I'm, I'm, I serve Andreas. That's what I do. Uh, at that stage, I was employed at the church, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's my job. So we go pick them up, drop them off at home, and apparently Andrea says to Cristela tonight, that, that night, why did Michael come with Helen to pick us up? I think this, I'm picking up, there's something going on there. Cristela said, Andreas, you're imagining things again, you're dreaming, stop it. <laughs> okay, he says. So a couple of weeks later, because my folks had, had all the friends around at our house, Andreas and Cristela wanted to say thank you, and so they invited my parents, obviously with me, to their house for supper, which so we went. So we went to their house for supper. We had a lovely meal. It was great. And we left, and we went home. That night, Andreas has a dream. And in his dream, he relives the entire evening that we've just had, except for one event, right at the end. As my mother is turning to go down the stairs that lead up to his front door, she stops and turns around, she takes him by the arm, and she says to him, Michael wants to court Helen, but he doesn't know how to go about it. And in the dream, Andrea says, leave it to me. <laughs> so he wakes up, he says, Cristela, don't tell me to stay out of this. 
Don't tell me there's nothing going on here. And so he says, takes, that Friday, he takes me out for coffee. After we go to a pastor's meeting together, come, Michael, let's go have a cup of coffee afterwards. That means there's something serious he wants to talk to me about. And he says to me, this is what happened. This is a dream I had. Is there any truth in it? Yeah. I mean, what are you saying? That's pretty scary. I mean, it's, it's the truth. I said to Helen, I don't, know what, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to. Michael wants to call Helen. He doesn't know what to do. How good is God? How good is God? He let me see something in her that nobody else had ever seen and very few people get to. He made a way for me in that moment. And of course, Andrea said, look, it's fine with me, but you need to ask her mother. How many of you know Cristela? <laughs> I thought Helen was scary. So I'm already working at the church. I remember it was a Friday, I think it was. And I come and I'm dressed smartly on this particular Friday because I've got to pop this big question. And it happened to be raining that day and Cristela came in late. And so as she opens up the back door to come in, she shouts. She says, quick, call an ambulance. Someone's come over. We've got this flyover just behind the church. In the wet weather, someone came around too fast and their car rolled right down the hill. In the wet. So I, I don't know who was working with her. She called for an ambulance. I got the first aid kit and out. I went to go and help this person. And I helped them out their car and I sat with them. So after a half an hour, 45 minutes, once the ambulance had come and taken them away, I'm drenched. It was raining. So we have to go. We had a mercy ministry room. I've got an old pair of shorts and a T-shirt that had paint all over it. That's all that fit. And it was cold. So I'm like, cold? And my office used to be in that back room. I don't forget, Cristela puts her head in, and I think she knew something was up. She was prepared. She's like, okay, Michael, I'm going now. And I'm saying, um, Cristela? Yes? And you know when you sparked a conversation and you passed that point of no return, there's no going back now. And I remember coming around the table and sitting with her, and I don't know if Dad's, well, that wasn't Dad at that time, so I don't know if Pastor Andrea spoke to you, but I would, you know, I want to know if I have your permission to, to, to go out with Helen or court Helen. She goes, Oh boy, I don't have any problems with you, but this is what you need to know. And this is how blunt, this is how blunt Cristela is. You need to understand that you can't play games here. Don't think that you can court my daughter, and if it doesn't work out, that you can keep your job. In other words, if you're serious about this, I'm okay. You have my permission. But don't think you can do this and then think we, we as a family and all of this is still going to be okay if you mess around with Helen and you leave her heartbroken. <laughs> no problem. It's just I still, have, I still have my job. I still have my job. <laughs> no, no, no. So what, look, what you don't know... What you don't know is there were other people who preceded me who came into this place, came into the family, flirted with the girls and left, and left them brokenhearted, left Stephen as their little brother disillusioned. There'd been history. And so Cristela was like, this is not going to happen again. You don't play games. Okay, you come in, and you're serious, and then we'll welcome you. She, there was obviously already a measure of trust. I was working here. Okay, they knew me. So anyway, I've asked the father. Okay. Well, the father asked me, gave me the okay. I asked the mother, okay. Now what? Now, now you have to meet with both of us? <laughs> what for now? What next? <laughs> I have to ask permission. And of course, I go to my parents, right? And I'm like, I'm thinking of going out with Helen. You, my parents are so different. They're so liberal. Like, 
She makes you happy. It's, it's your choice. I'm, we're not going to tell you who you should. No, but what do you think of her? It's what you think of her that matters. <laughs> I'm looking for some parental guy. Just completely different ways of doing things. Hence, I'm glad I got a spiritual father in my life. And uh, so, yes, I remember. The first date was a Wednesday night. I went to go and meet with Andreas and Cristela, and they explained certain things to me of how they, they saw this thing going. So what I did was we brought this, com this, this relationship to court. What Siobhan did is he brought this relationship to court. In me taking it to my parents, I tried to take it to court, but the case was thrown out. So... <laughs> So I brought it to so Andreas and Cristela, you know, walked us through this season, and we had other people around us as well. And so that night we went on our first date. I took Helen to a place called Asian Fusion. She wore a white polo neck, looked gorgeous. Her hair was straight and loose. Alice, man, it came time to pay the bill, and the credit card machine didn't work. So my wife paid cash for our first date. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's right. She passed the test. <laughs> what I hope to have kind of... What else have I got here? Yeah, stay the course. We spoke about this, this, this whole analogy. I want to say to you today, know your purpose and stay the course. Nobody is worth forfeiting your calling and destiny for. Nobody. Your calling and destiny will echo into eternity. One day you will stand before God and answer for the decisions you've made. Know your calling and purpose. Pursue the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if somebody comes along and they're not in it with you, that's fine. Let them go their way and you carry on. It's not worth it. Because if you allow yourself to be distracted by that, you will forfeit all the blessing that God has intended for you in order to pursue something that will lead you away from Him. And most likely, will lead you, anything that's going to lead you away from Him is going to lead you away into deception, into pain, into regrets. Stay your course. And my hope is that what I've shared with you tonight, concerning, uh, today concerning Siobhan and Mishka's testimony, concerning my testimony with Helen, will show you the vast difference between just the world's way of doing things, which is all I knew and all I understood, to me turning my back on that saying, I'm going to pursue a different way of doing things, and then seeing how God created a way for me. I think young ladies really, really struggle with this, with this sentiment, and maybe I'm insensitive as a man in saying it. But ladies... You should be so secure in God that whether you find that man or you don't, you're happy and you're content. And men, I want to say the same thing to you. You should be so happy and secure in your relationship with God and what He's called you to do that if you don't find a mate, if that person never comes, you're still happy, you're still whole, you're still content. You don't need somebody to complete you. You're not less of a person because you are single. You're fulfilled. Now, Paul talks about some have a grace to be married, some have a grace to be single. God created us for relationships, so we shouldn't be pursuing only singleness for the whole purpose of our life. This is not about pursuing singleness. This is about being single when you're single so that you can pursue God. And as you pursue Him, God may or He may not add, but don't let your pursuit of God be dependent upon these things. Does that make sense to you?
And that's kind of where I really, this, the whole purpose of this workshop is to call you out and to, to fix your, to, to present you with an option to say, hey, we don't have to go about it this way. As a Christian, my first priority is God, to live for Him, to worship Him. And if I make Him that priority and I do that with all my heart, the inference is that I trust Him to the point that He will help me recognize the right person at the right time. I trust Him. I put my future completely in His hands. I've seen what that's done for me. Whoever would have guessed 24 years ago, 23 years ago, when I walked in here for the first time, that now I'd be standing here doing this married to Helen. Who would have guessed? Nobody. Nobody, nobody. Only God knew. And he's chuckling now going, <laughs> you didn't see that coming. God can do amazing things. And he really wants to do amazing things in your heart and your life and through you. So, thank you all for being part of the workshop. Thank you all for being here, for giving up your Friday night, for giving up your Saturday. And now that leaves us with...